Wisconsin. The Bucks have done it after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. To win it for the Packers. A dagger. Do you think superhero movies are better when they're R-rated? I'm stealing this for the record. So, if somebody wants to claim it, I'd like this was not my idea. But, do you think superhero movies are better? When they're R-rated? Yeah. I like that you went short of giving the person full credit. But but you admitted... I'm stealing this from somebody. Just stealing it. No, no, I don't think so. I think they can be good. But I think sometimes, you know, they they can get too infatuated with the R rating, you know, and get a little too kill happy sometimes. And I, I think, like, what's the best R rated superhero movie? Is it better than the best PG 13 superhero movie? I don't think so. I would say, well, the most commonly credited. I would say it's like, it's Deadpool or Logan, probably. I was right? gonna say, most people would probably say Logan. I'm gonna give you a cold take because nobody agrees with me on this. I didn't love Logan. Now, I'm the only person. I thought it was kind of boring. See, I really liked it, but at the same time, when I just said some of them get too kill happy, I was talking about Logan. I didn't think it was kill happy enough. Really? I feel like all they were were like, it was boring, but then they will just punctuate it with like really graphic. Like, he stabs someone and his everything flies out. Like, the, that's how they try to, like, reconcile it. And it was kind of like, okay. I Okay, so I think there's a market for PG-13 superhero movies. You know, like, the kind that you bring your mom to for Mother's Day. Everybody. I remember taking my mom to the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man 1 with the lizard, Doc Connors. I remember mm-hmm. taking her to that. And she was, like, so happy. It was, like, the best Mother's Day present she ever had. And, you know, like, there's a market for that. But I also think, I think, like, the new Batmans with Robert Pattinson should be R-rated. I think, like, those would be better if they were R-rated. You know, like, there's a market for both. So I don't want to say, like, one or the other. Uh, Like, was uh, Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, was that R-rated? Yeah. And people loved it. So, you get, like, the more niche, hardcore superhero fans, but you you get quality over quantity, I think, when you make it R-rated. Well, I feel like you have to. First of all, any R-rated movie is going to make less than any PG-13 movie because you have less people that can see it, right? There's less people that are over 17 than there are whatever age. Like, anyone pretty much could see a PG-13 movie. So it's like the studio's only really going to green light it, as they say, that's what they say in the business. They're only going to green light it if they feel that the movie really has a chance, you know? So I'm not saying there won't be R-rated moms, but they're going to like really, you're only even putting out an R-rated superhero movie if you think it really has a chance. But just because there aren't good ones doesn't mean, I'm not, I'm saying overall, I think because if you think about comic books, for the most part, they're all ages. They're not R-rated. And that's what the material's from. So I say, no, they're not better R-rated. Then you just kind of fall in love with gruesomely murdering people on the on the movie. 
I think that's the definitive answer right there for you. So you're a team no too? I'm a team no. Wow. Cheers. Cheers. And we're back like the Buccaneers scoring another touchdown against the Green Bay Packers. Oh. Damn. It's Thurston 10. <laughs> hey man, if the shoe fits, you gotta wear it. And this week, the shoe fit better than normally. But it hurt. Okay, the shoe is, I think I got a left foot on a right foot and a right on a left. Out of everything that could possibly be wrong with Joe Barry, that might be the most logical solution. He might just be wearing his shoes on the wrong feet. I, I would like that. Like, if that was the only problem, someone just tell him, hey, switch your shoes, dog. Maybe you'll figure out, you know, how to not have your cornerbacks in outer space. <laughs> like the onion. <laughs> well, I mean, when it comes to the shoe issue, they should really put arrows on those. You know, like, how, how is the average person supposed to know? When it comes to the outer space issue... I can't believe that the onion actually roasted Joe Barry. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's like, pretty good. Think about how bad of a defensive coordinator you mm-hmm. have to be to or just yeah. To like have the onion yeah. write an article about what you. About sports. And not I, like, I know there's like an onion sports thing probably, but but still. It would be one thing if we were like 0 and 13. And like everybody was just like laughing at us. But we're, what, six and seven, six and eight, something like that. To get made fun of like that in that situation is just impressively bad. And I think he said that. He said it was a hard week for him and his family this week. So, you know. It was a hard week to watch. It was a hard week for me and my family to watch (laughs) Baker Mayfield play like he was back at Oklahoma. For real. Yeah, no, we did play like some college players. So, are you surprised that the Packers did not fire Joe Barry? No, because the, like, they're the Packers, and at this point I'm not sure what it would take. Yeah, and like we said before, I think they've been like good enough in recent weeks to bide some time. You prefaced, I think, we're a little too chicken shit to fire him right now, so no, I'm not surprised. I would also agree I'm not surprised. Now, I think if anybody listening to this was the coach of the Green Bay Packers, I think he would be fired, but Matt LaFleur is the coach of the Green Bay Packers. Tell your friends to tell your friends to tell Matt LaFleur to listen to us, and then we might... And then he'll be gone. (laughs) Who might have a real defense. But when it comes down to it, you know like how in baseball people will say things like, batting average doesn't matter. Slugging percentage matters. Now, I don't necessarily subscribe to that theory, but I I understand the logic behind it. I think when it comes to football, if you were to ask Matt LaFleur what he wants out of a defensive coordinator, he would say, yards given up don't matter, points given up matter. And when it comes to Joe Barry, he's been the extreme version of bend but don't break. Against the Buccaneers, they broke. But then it comes down to we play this hyper-conservative style of defense. You know, keep the play in front of you. Don't give up big plays. But then why is Gutekunst drafting these high upside players? Guys like Lucas Van Ness, Rashawn Gary, Quay Walker, Darnell Savage. You know, like these aren't 
the best football players available. These are the best athletes available. So why are you trying to put the best athletes in this system and not the best football players when Joe Barry clearly wants the best football players? And quite frankly, I think even if slash when Joe Barry gets fired after the season, Matt LaFleur is going to hire another Joe Barry type defensive coordinator. So why are why aren't we drafting the people for the system? Like this is a system for like the AJ Hawks of the world. You know, good football players, right, not right. elite athletes. Cuz or you know, could stuff the run and kind of play, you know, your prototypical whatever he happened to be, a linebacker. But I get what you're saying. It doesn't right, it doesn't seem like the scheme fits and I'm not even talking about the cornerbacks mm-hmm. being in outer space. I'm talking like, you're right, we have like Gary, and we have Van Ness, and it's like, but we're in a defense that like, we just give up five yards of Gary on rush, it's like, no one's going to pass the ball enough for us to utilize guys like that. Or then you even, I mean, we're not talking about offense, but it's like, these are like pass rush guys, we're not going to use that a whole lot if like, we're not even winning the game. That's like one thing that plays into it too. I would like to think that you're wrong and that if we fire Joe Barry... Here's hoping sooner rather than later. I think you have to get someone who can try and fit the scheme to the players and not vice versa because I think that's what's happening and it's not working. Like maybe Joe Barry's scheme works in some team, but it's it's not with this group of players. So I think when it comes down to Joe Barry and the scheme, I think Joe Barry is bottom level. Like the bend but don't break conservative. Like, I I do think he's just a bad coordinator all around. I think he's a good human being. The way he answered questions this week, you know, like, like, I don't wish ill upon the man. No. I hope, like, when he gets fired. I wish he gets fired. I hope, you know, I hope he's a great linebackers coach for some random team. And maybe he is. You know, like, I I just think that's his ceiling. You know, not everybody that works for the company can be the CEO. Right. So, when it comes down to Joe Barry, I, I don't want him around the Green Bay Packers anymore. <laughs> and if we do decide I to actually, play... I'd love to see him be the Lions defensive coordinator <laughs> again. I think that'd be really sweet. They should give that a go. Let him room Patrick Mahomes or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but if we do decide to get another coordinator, uh, like who is more of the bend but don't break type, keep the play in front of you, I do think, like, there's better options out there. Like, I always kind of felt like Jim Leonard was more of, like, that type of coordinator. Now, I think that works a lot better in the college level. You know, guys are more likely to commit penalties, drop a pass, whatever, at the college level than they are at the pro level. But I, I do think, like, a Jim Leonard type, Jim Leonard would just be a better coordinator than Joe Barry. So, like, if we do go that route, I'm not upset. But I would rather see... Like a Steve Spagnola type, you know, like a guy who sends the blitz all the time. Brian Flores would be another guy of that ilk. I want Quay Walker in the backfield. I want Darnell Savage running around the field making hits. I want Rashawn Gary and Lucas Van Ness making plays. I I want Jair Alexander covering the best corner or the best wide receiver. I want us to stop something. Yeah, like I feel like. For the most part, like we've been especially soft 
before, you know, Baker the Great got a hold of us. <laughs> We've been especially soft against the run. But then it's like, oh, now our quarterbacks are 10 yards away. You know, so it's like we don't, you can run us 200 yards, the Steelers game and the Giants. You know, we can be ran on. And then you look at the Buccaneers game. Tommy DeVito got sacked six times last week. We didn't get him once. No, we didn't even pressure him. I said that back in the show, like right after that that game. He was back there eating cutlets. Like we didn't even pressure him at all. Like I want to see us do like stop one thing. You know, right now we don't make it hard to pass the ball. We don't really make it hard to run the ball. How are you going to not break when you can't really stop either one? So I have a would you rather for you. Okay. Would you rather? Uh, I also stole this one, but not really because. Everybody has stolen this one. Would you rather the Packers make the playoffs and then they keep Joe Barry into 2024 or lose out and fire Joe Barry? What would you rather have happen? (laughs) All right, so you're the one who said you didn't wish any ill on Joe Barry. No, I don't. Okay, and I said I wished one ill on Joe, and that is I want him to be fired. Okay, I'm sorry. Maybe it is the players. Okay, but we don't. We won't know that until they know Joe. So I'm gonna say it was lose out. You said lose out. Lose Still out. Still though, because then honestly, in some world that can be a win-win. Better draft pick, no Joe. Give me that option. I think. And then if it's Goody, he can ruin that pick too. <laughs> I think you are wrong. I would much rather win out, keep Joe Barry. Because at the end of the day, I think the most important thing to a football team is having a great quarterback. And I think Jordan Love is on the path to being a great quarterback. I want him to continue on that path. I want to see a football team around Jordan Love that can execute the little things right. I want to see offense alignment who know their blocking assignments. I want to see wide receivers who know which routes to run. It might be a different game last week, but there was one pass that Love made, and Dontavian Wicks and Jaden Reed, who I, I love both of them, are standing next to each other, right next to each other, and the pass goes over both of their heads. Like, can we fix that first? Like, if we're not going to fire Joe Barry, let's fix the little things. Let's have a team that can execute. Why can't you do both, though? Like, that wasn't even part of this question. You can fire Joe Barry and get more experience, more seasoned, iron out more kinks on offense. That's completely unrelated to me. I, I think because it's a would you rather. I think ideally you want to do. The would you rather is would you rather lose all the games. And to me, you can lose all the games in, like, this last one that they lost. 284 yards, two touchdowns from Jordan Love is on the better end of things we've seen. And they still lost. We've asked before. Would you rather Jordan Love look, looks good and the team loses? Yeah, I'm still in that boat. I'd rather the Jordan Love looks good and the team loses. And honestly, that's probably the better option. If you can get Joe Barry fired and a better draft pick, I don't think you can really argue to me, though, like that that's not the best win-win we're looking at. Like, no one's looking at this team and saying, oh, yeah, playoffs – they're going to make a run. The best thing, if we do the little things right, we would win out. And that was part of the question, too. Would you rather win out? If we do the little things right, we didn't. That we will 
we will win out. Well, I think we will beat Carolina, who sucks. We'll beat Minnesota, who's on their fourth string quarterback. And then we're always the Bears' daddy. So if we do the little things right, we're more likely to win out than lose. If we lose out, it's probably because we're not doing, like, we're running the wrong routes. We're not blocking the right people. We're missing tackles. We have a stupid scheme. The Giants game. But the thing is, like, when you look at this team, it's not unfathomable to just see the Giants game three more times. You know what I mean? Like, no one would be surprised if that happened again. It's not out of the realm of possibilities that we lose out three more times. But, like, I mean, we we have made strides over the course of the year. For sure. I think Jaden Reed is the real deal. Mm-hmm. I think Dontavian Wicks was an absolute steal. I think Tucker Kraft, a George Kittle mold of tight end. I know he's hurt, but I, I still like Musgrave, too. He, He'll be back right he is on the road to coming back, too. He just got elevated off of the IR, so he well, has to be yeah. activated by the end of the year. So we'll probably see Musgrave. I hope Watson comes back. I mean, this team has a lot of talent. They also, fun fact, 98% of the passes that have been thrown to wide receivers or tight ends have been caught by a first or second year player. That's the most in NFL history by, like, miles. Like, they're building something special in Green Bay. And I want these guys to experience the playoffs. I want them to experience it. Even if they get blown out, I think it's better to get that playoff experience. I don't want guys like Watson and Dobbs and whoever to not, you know, to be going into their third year or their second year and not have experienced that. Like, you get drafted by Green Bay, you're thinking you're playing playoff football. But you have to earn it, not just think it. So I think that's the thing. If we get there, great. But has this team earned it? Giants games, Steelers games, yada yada, the Buccaneers torching us? No. So you got to earn that experience. And I don't think we've done that yet. We're moving. Like, we're moving. We're taking the steps. Well, can they earn it with a win on Sunday? What's your prediction? It's Carolina away, you know, and so I feel like a real big Debbie Downer if I say they lose this one. And so I would like to think they don't. So, shout out to Jesse and Dranglin, Panthers fan. Love you, bro. But I think it will be a good game, regardless of their two-win record, the Carolina Kittens. I think the Packers take it, though. 24-20. Good game. All right, before I give you my prediction. Wow. I'm going to pull up some shots. You're just going to hang me out there like that. Because last week, we said the Packers would win. Can't believe, I don't know, it just happened. I, was like, I started pouring, and then the cups moved four inches. I was like, why'd you pour that tiny shot? Are you pregnant? You're only doing a quarter shot? Hey, pregnant people can only do an eighth of a shot. Everybody knows that. An eighth for the mom, an eighth for the baby. It's a quarter. There you go. Don't do that that's if you're pregnant. The dis- that's the disclaimer. Please don't. <laughs> cheers. Uh, you know, cheers. When we inevitably get sued for something stupid... I don't want it to be that. You know? I think we're good on that one. We ah. said we said the, the disclaimer, so I think we're fine. All right, Stevie Farfunkel has it saved. 
Uh, prediction for me, for moi, a French. No, it's pour moi, but whatever. Pour moi. A français. Never mind. The prediction for me in not French. What did you say? What, what was your scoreline? 24-20. Ooh, God. Packers. 31-7. Packers. Let's ride. Joe Barry. Back from the dead, like The Undertaker. <laughs> Back for another year to piss off Packer fans. Hey, speaking of coaches, let's move on. The Milwaukee Bucks. There was a lot of talk early in the season. Do you want a fire grip? Yeah, you, you like were talking. Riff? It was you. I, would, I never said fire grip. Well, you asked it. I said, should we? Should we not? I don't think I ever said we should fire Griff. Mm. I don't think I did. You did not. No, you did not. But you you did not give your butt-o-meter that one time, and you seem like you were in the bud boat. So I'll give you that. I'll tell you that. Can I tell you? Yeah. Whatever. Because, like, whatever. You know, I, I wrote down something to say, so I'm going to skip that. The Bucks are really good right now because the Bucks are very talented. Yeah. The Bucks are playing, essentially, Mike Budenholzer's defensive system. They have Brooke Lopez dropping back. They're not trapping the ball. You know, like, they're playing a very Budenholzer-style system. Now, I personally think I could coach the Bucks to 55 wins playing Mike Budenholzer's system. With the talent they have, with Giannis, with Dame, with Chris, with Brooke, whoever you want to put as a five, I don't think wins in the regular in the regular season are that impressive. But that seems to be more where Adrian Griffin is leaning towards. Now, the problem with the Bucks over the past four or five years has been basically since Bud has gotten there. In the playoffs, when they play the best of the best, the best wing offensive players have cooked the Bucks. Even the year they won the championship, Kevin Durant was going off against the Bucks. The year after, Jason Tatum. Last year was Jimmy Butler. And the reason why we fired Bud was because we give up a lot of open jump shots. That's what we do. Adrian Griffin was brought in to take away the open jump shots, and maybe we were going to lose some games in the regular season, but in the playoffs, we would be a better team. This is the hardcore devil's advocate, but are we as a team doing enough in the regular season to win in the postseason? That's really where I'm going with this. Now, like I said... You're always going to look good if you play the Mike Budenholzer system in the regular season. But is that enough to win in the postseason? That That's really what I want to talk about. I think it can be. I, I think it can be a bit. Like, you have to modify it a bit. There were too many wide-open shots. Even, like, going back to when Toronto beat us. Like, you'd get, like, that, like... Budenholzer would say, okay, we'll let your, like, Gary Trent, your, like, third dude that no one, you know, off the bench, wing guy, we'll let him get open shots, we'll let him beat us. And in the playoffs, they will. You know what I mean? Everyone's hyped up, and they know this is their chance, you know, and that's what got us a lot of the times. 
And you're right that that is definitely one of the things that needs to improve. But I think, even on here, one of the things we forgot about in Budenholzer's problems was that stupid ass offense. Okay, and I think seeing change in that with Lillard, the big games, thirty points, how many nights, and twenty eight or whatever, a few nights, like it's NBA, you know, everyone scores. But to me, kind of that's it's. It's more about that, like this team finding its mesh offensively. Like no one was gonna, the Bucks were gonna win eighty to seventy in the championship game. No, it's that you weren't gonna be able to stop Damon Giannis, and so it didn't really matter. So I get it. In the end, like yes, you have to play enough defense where you're not giving up all the open threes. But it's more about just getting a mesh and getting these guys chemistry together, and that's happening definitely. Well, and the fun thing about the Bucks. Like I said, like, I'm not on the fire griff train. Like, how could you be after the past week? But the fun thing about the Bucks is they have so much talent. To be honest, with Dame, with Chris, with Brooke. The games will basically win themselves in the regular season. And offensively, Bud never had a player like Damian Lillard. He never did. True. I mean, yeah, it's hard to. And like, there's only, like... One Damian Lillard, I would say. Maybe in the entire history of the NBA, there's been, like, 15 players who could do what Dame could do. John Horst, I feel like, fixed the offense. It's all going to come down to what does Griff want to do in the playoffs, and does he want to play the Bud-style defense, which gives up open jumpers, but he'll take away everything at the rim, he'll get all the rebounds. It's not a bad system that Bud was running, or... Does he want to trap shooters? And at what point do we shift defensively from what Bud did to what Griff wants to do? Like, do Maybe we need to start the opponent? Do we need to start practicing that in the regular season? Do we need to start practicing? You know, like different defenses. Yeah, like I feel like that's I mean, kind would of it what hurt I want to, to see. know more than one defense. No, it wouldn't. Would it hurt to be able to switch? And I know, like, NBA is different than college, where college is like, you'll do these different defenses, and you'll have these different strategies, and NBA is kind of like, you go out there and you beat that guy, you know, and, like, that's it. You know, it's ISO, or it's man-to-man, and that's it. But I don't think that it would hurt, you know, to be able to switch things like football. You know what I mean? You show one look, and you switch it, and that confuses people. Like, I don't think that's that's exclusive to only football. I do really like what I've seen from Andre Jackson Jr. Yeah, for sure. He looks like the real deal. Like, he'll probably be the fifth starter going AJJ. forward. Ajax. Do you like AJJ or AJ? I like AJJ. I'm an AJJ guy. So you don't want to have the Greek Freak and Ajax on the same starting lineup? No, because when they say Ajax, everybody means the cleaning spray and not the Greek warrior. I've, so I'm going to go AJJ because I'm old enough to remember Hurricane Chris, I believe, in the song A Bay Bay. So that's, that's AJJ. He'll be the Greek warrior to me, damn it. <laughs> you and you alone. All right, we got some fan mail for you. I don't know why we put it at the end. I wasn't trying to put it at the end. You got mail. Okay, so it's college football playoff related. 
It's from Tom in Ashkash. What's up, Tom? And he says, do you think the combination of a 12-team college football playoff and the portal will end any other bowl games? So thank you, Tom and Ashkash. If you have fan mail, please send it to Thurston1069 on X. Like, just DM us. Our DMs are always open. Yeah. Or you can text us at 2... Uh, so can you give me the question one more time, please? Do you think if the combination of a 12-team playoff in college football and the portal will end any other bowl games? I'm also going to throw in NIL. Is this the death sentence for the bowl game? Right, right. I kind of put NIL with... The transfers, you know what I mean? Because that is a big reason for a lot of them. Will it kill the other bowl games? You know, and that's a good question. And I can see definitely why it would. And I'm going to say no. Because I think there's two ways for me. Will it kill it in terms of quality? Like, will the bowl games be as good because the players don't sit? Um, or they're transferring out? So, I mean, or sorry, they don't play because they're going to get drafted. Or they sit out because they're, you know, they know they're transferring or whatever. We're going to see a lot of that. You're not going to see everyone's A-team. That's for sure. But I'm one who's always thinks that, like, with the bowl games, this is like 35 games worth of advertising for, like, obviously those businesses, whoever R&L carriers, you know, the whatever bowl. But it's also money for ESPN 35 times. You know, that no one's really going to be tuning in to ESPN on a Tuesday night on December 20 if if there isn't two random college football teams. And at some point, we were picking the games this week, this year. It didn't really matter who was playing. So will it kill the top quality of them? Probably. Will it kill the bowl games altogether? No. I think you nailed it. I You basically said what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean... I mean, is it going to kill the quality of the bowl games? Yes. Is it going to kill the quantity? No. I mean, and then I think it'll kill the specialness. It already has. Like, look at the bowl games. Right, right, right. There's 12,000 people in an 80,000-seat stadium. Right. It's still an achievement, though. Right? Like, if you're a new coach and you're trying to turn a program around, you know, the first thing you'll say is, we came and we got bowl-eligible you know, if you won that bowl, even better. I will agree with you. Now, it'll be really interesting to see what they do with the question said. A 12-team playoff. Now, I believe the first four games of the 12-team playoff will be played at the home team stadium. The Wisconsin Badgers, believe it or not, just replaced the turf at their home stadium at Camp Randall. Just in case they host a home playoff game next year. They did that. So the home playoff games will be I'm doing Wisconsin. the W. I'm doing the, the finger W right now. On Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. But, so the first four games are going to be at the home team stadium. So most likely at Alabama, at Georgia, Georgia. at Michigan, Ohio State, USC, Texas. One of those schools. And then it's going to be an eight-team playoff, and then I think those will technically be bowl games. But either way, I like. I think the teams who sponsor bowl games, they just want their name on ESPN. 
you know, like worst case scenario, there will be a Thurston 10 bowl game next year. For Woo! 12 bucks, you guys can start the GoFundMe. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll broadcast it. Yeah. Winner gets to do like a beer bong <laughs> out of the trophy. The trophy is a beer bong. I love it. Let's do the Thurston 10 beer bong bowl. <laughs> It'll be like colleges will love it. You're welcome. There you go. Alright, uh, I gotta ask you one dumb question, even though this might be the least dumb one I've ever asked you out of all the dumb questions. Would you chug or shrug Florida State in the Big Ten? Shrug for me, dog. I mean, we're we're past the point where like logistics can be a reason to not anymore. You're already going from Washington and LA to, you know, New Jersey and whatever. I just thinking of the Badgers and competitively, you're adding Washington, UCLA, and USC, right? Washington. And now you want to add the Knowles that are that are pretty good in football, basketball, probably other sports too because it's Florida. You can play all the time. I don't want more fierce competition. No. Shrug. I like where you're going with it, except I'm a businessman. So I got to say, I believe Florida is the fourth in terms of population, the fourth biggest state in the union. I think it goes California, New York, Texas, and then Florida. Wow. Wouldn't the Big Ten want to be in Florida? Are now, they already, though? Are they? Sure. What team? So the Big Ten has a lot of these states that are in the Midwest, and they're really cold. So when people get old in those cold states, they move to Florida, <laughs> but they still hold their allegiances. Remember you said... The villages is running a bus out to the Badger game. So, like, they have those states anyway. I mean, they have people there anyway. I don't know. Like, we'll have to phone a friend to see if they have the Big Ten Network, but I don't think they do in Florida. You probably order that thing. Uh, like, yeah, if you want to pay more on your cable bill. I get the bill. ACC for no reason. Well, you're not about to when <laughs> Florida State leaves. Also, the other thing about it, I don't think you would get just Florida State it would probably be Florida State and Miami, Florida State and Clemson. You're probably no. going to get two schools out of it. God, no. I, I don't think these schools, I don't think we're going to see another Especially Nebraska. Especially because speed. Speed is our great weakness. We're Wisconsin. We're, we're prodding. We're slow. You know, we're, we're pensive. In Miami, no. They're fast. Don't like it. The Big Ten West is where speed goes to die, bro. Yeah. You you say speed and in the Big Ten West, and they would run if they could. <laughs> okay, but they can't. Uh, but either way, like, I mean, at this point, I feel like the goal should be to just add all the teams and just have one conference. And two, two big ones. And right. then just, like, return it back to the Big Ten West or the Big Ten like I feel like that's where it's headed. We'll have one com or we'll have two conferences. Well, the Big Ten, well, the SEC. Each one will have thirty teams in there, and then it'll be like the Big Ten Midwest. What do you do with the, the Big Ten West, the Big Ten East, and then like the Big Ten Midwest will just be the traditional Big Ten with like Wisconsin, Indiana, Minnesota, Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan. It'll just be like those teams. And then, you know, out east, it'll be Penn State, Maryland, Rutgers, Clemson, Florida State, 
And then, like, the Big Ten West will be Nebraska, USC, Oregon. I feel like that's where it's headed. We're, we're going to, like, get back to where we were. We're just taking the dumbest path to get there. That's and at a certain point, I'm, I'm just like, let's expedite the process. And let's just bring in everybody. All right, do you have the Badgers recruiting class speaking of college football up? Here it is. All right, well, what jumps out at you? Uh, do you want to read them down, maybe, uh, at some point? Ernest Willard, defensive end from Maryland. Dylan Jones, running back, also from Maryland. What are the odds? Grant Stack from Illinois, tight end. Emilio Agard, cornerback from Pennsylvania. Kevin Haywood, offensive tackle, Pennsylvania. Now, remind you, these are going in terms of highest ranked to lowest ranked. Mm-hmm. Ryan Corey, offensive guard, Pennsylvania. Mabry Matower, quarterback, slash defensive tackle. Crazy. The wildest one. Uh, Texas, he's a quarterback, for the record. Anelu Lafele, defensive end, Hawaii. Raphael Dunn, outside linebacker, New Jersey. Darian Dupree, running back, Illinois. Derek Jensen, offensive tackle, Heartland. Landon Gautier. Gautier, Gauthier, who knows. Gautier, bro, French. Outside linebacker from Green Bay. Woo! Thomas Heiberger, outside linebacker, South Dakota. Emerson Mandel, offensive guard, Minnesota. Rob Booker, tight end, Wanneke. Dylan Johnson, defensive tackle, Illinois. Jay Harper, cornerback, Alabama. Hank Weber, defensive end, Tennessee. Colin Coverley, offensive guard, New York. Xavier Lucas, safety, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Gideon Utuka, Utuka? running back, Maryland. Another Maryland. If you would have had that on a bingo card. Kyan Barry Johnson, Wide receiver, Illinois. Nice. There you go. The entire there recruiting you. class doesn't include transfers. And and you ask what stands out to me. Um, I like the fact that the top guy, according to this, a four-star, a six-foot-four-inch, 250-pound defensive end, Ernest Willer from Maryland. I like the sound of that. You know that, like, especially defensive end nowadays means... You, you got to have some athleticism in you, so that's going to be fun. Um, welcome to Madison, Ernest. And then, you know, we always got to have good running backs, so I'm sure Dylan Jones is a great player, running back, four-star recruit. My thing here is he's from Maryland. He went to a high school called Our Lady of Good Counsel, and to me there's no good counsels right now. <laughs> you, Craig. you, Craig. How about you? What do you got? Standouts. Uh, I'm really excited about the quarterback. Defensive tackle? A quarterback defensive tackle. Well, look at his height, six foot six. His weight, 230 pounds. People are saying he's like Josh Allen light. Can we, just for the, so he is what, sorry? Six foot six, 230 pounds. And Josh Allen is? Six foot five, 238 pounds. <laughs> He's a big boy. He'll okay. he'll run it. He'll pass it. He's more like of a passer. Josh Allen play defensive tackle though. He Just like for some reference, that would be fun. That would be fun to see. 
Uh, also really excited about both of their running backs. I think you mentioned Dylan Jones. Uh, Darian Dupree. I think both of them can absolutely play first year. So I got to ask you, you said running backs, but we're, we're Wisconsin. Are there any line guys that I can look forward to? All of them. I mean, it's Wisconsin. You know, we turned the three-star guys yeah, into five-star guys. Yeah, but our offensive line was not great this year. And then so. we turned the five-star guys into three-star guys. So, <laughs> yeah. That's what we do. Our line was not great. So I was hoping you could tell me, hey, yeah. All right. This guy. Uh, one last thing before a funsy. We got more bowl games to pick. We're not doing great right now, so we're really going to have to make this one work. But we're not in last. Bowling Green, Minnesota. We're going Bowling Green. I almost went to Toledo, and that is Toledo's rival, Bowling Green, so I'm just not even, I'm moving on. I'm a big fan of Cage the Elephant from Bowling Green, Kentucky. So uh, Bowling Green, Ohio is where the college is. So. Well, there you go. Next game. Texas State versus Rice. Texas State. Like, how many schools do they have in Texas? No, also, school, Rice. Like, Rice is also uh, in Houston, Texas. Uh, Texas State, 63% chance of winning. Yeah, okay. Texas State. State. Kansas, Lance Leopold versus UNLV. The running rebel artillery. Kansas, big favorites. Rock Chalk. Virginia Tech, Tulane. Virginia Tech, huge favorite. I, I don't hate Tulane in this game. If you're dumb enough, I'm dumb enough. Tulane. North Carolina, West Virginia. Both teams are 8-4. and four. There's no way Drake May is right. playing in that game. Sorry, you Give me the... West Virginia. Yeah, okay. I'm down. Join Denver. No, that's Western Virginia, not West Virginia. Uh, Louisville, the ACC runner-ups versus USC. There's no way Caleb Williams is playing. Give me Louisville. Louisville. Texas A&M, Oklahoma State. This one's a pick 'em. Uh, give me Oklahoma State nine and four. Mike Gundy versus the artist formerly known as Jimbo Fisher. Go Pokes. SMU. I think that's where uh, the the coach who made Tyler Van Dyke is really good. Versus Boston College. Give me SMU. Rhett Lashley. I think Go we Stanks. talked about him. You're right. right Rutgers here. versus Miami, Florida. Uh, there's no way I'm taking Rutgers. No. North Carolina State, the Wolfpack versus Kansas State, the Wildcats? Give me the Wildcats. Give me Kansas State. Arizona versus Oklahoma. Uh, I don't know why Arizona's a favorite in this game. I was going to say Boomer sooner. What do they know? Give me Oklahoma. They must have like their entire team transferring. I saw Dylan Gabriel transferring to Oregon. Going to be the new Bo Nix. Again. For 17 <laughs> years. Uh, Clemson, Kentucky. Clemson, big favorite. I, I don't think I can take Kentucky in football. Give me Clemson. Notre Dame, Oregon State. Notre Dame, a huge favorite. Yeah, okay. Whatever you like. I'm not going to say Notre Dame. I'll take Notre Dame. Memphis, Iowa State. I, I like Memphis on this one. Wow. Weird. I was going to say go clones. I'll give that one to you. I'll go Memphis. Missouri, Ohio State. Borderline a pick Give me Ohio State. I'm too dumb on that one because my heart wants Mizzou. But Ohio State probably wins. You go. You go go yeah. Mizzou. We're doing it. All right. I'm, yeah, I'm down. We saved them. Well, if you want to see what not to do, 
go to Splash Sports and bet against us. <laughs> All right, I got a funsy for you. Yeah. What is the best drink to have on Christmas? It has to be Christmas themed. Ooh. So you can't just be like, oh, I like to have a high life. Like, don't get right. me wrong, I love high life. I and I'll it. probably have seven or 12 of them on Christmas. But what is the best drink Christmas themed to have on Christmas? So you can't chug a Mad Dog 2020 on your way to the family's house. You can do that legally. There's no law that says you can't. There's several, but uh, so it doesn't you count. can't drive and do it. It's but not if you're the... in the passenger seat, you're fine. I'm just gonna disregard that. Uh, my best, my favorite uh, Christmas themed drink. I'm gonna give you two. One is if you're cheap and uh, not cheap, but like lazier, is you gotta get the cranberry sprite. Now it's spiced. And so that's cool. Very thematic. Spice cranberry sprite. Throw some vodka in that bitch. Very easy cocktail. And then mine, if you, if you want to go hard, hot buttered rum. You start with a little rum, a couple shots, warm up some water, and you literally throw in a scoop of butter right on top of there. A little cinnamon, a little nutmeg. Got to throw some sugar. I like a little brown sugar. Play on those caramel notes. So I'm going hot butter rum and cranberry Sprite with vodka. I like those. Uh, give me a classic and then I'll give you a different one. The classic, give me eggnog and spiced rum. Now, oh. a lot of people like eggnog and whiskey. I don't think you can go wrong with either, but I'm more, you know, give me eggnog and Kraken or eggnog and Captain Morgan. I think eggnog and Captain Morgan, my favorite. But, you know, maybe you're lactose intolerant. You don't want to have eggnog. You know, maybe you just want shots. Give me Old Smoky peppermint, peppermint Ice Cream as a shot. You will never drink anything else for the rest of your life. Yeah, mint chocolate, I think. Something like that. Yeah, mint chocolate. That's yeah. a good one. Give you those peppermint bark flavors. It's It might be moonshine. It might not be. Who knows? I don't know. This has been Thurston 10. That's Marcus. I'm Jimmy. Follow us on X <laughs> at Thurston 1069. Or wherever else you want to like and subscribe to. Anywhere to get your podcast, YouTube as well. Merry Christmas and thank you for listening. Merry Christmas. Peace. Adios. <laughs>